This fall, we're preaching a sermon series called The Greatest of These, in which we're looking at what St. Paul has to say about love in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand my body over so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then from the Hebrew Scriptures, Micah. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Scottish preacher Henry Drummond says that in 1 Corinthians 13, St. Paul is breaking up the apparently simple and common element of love into its compound, complex, captivating constituent parts. Like a physicist will break up an apparently monochromatic beam of sunlight into beautiful colors with a prism. Or like the raindrops in the air after a cloudburst will break the blonde sunlight into orange and red and violet and blue. Love is patient, says St. Paul. Love is kind, says St. Paul. Kindness is the second of that compound, complex, captivating constituent parts of this apparently simple thing called love. At Kenilworth Union Church, our mission statement is binary. It has two parts. It has a Christian part and a Jewish part. It has a Greek part and a Hebrew part. It has a New Testament part and an Old Testament part. These parts are carved in granite over our cloister walk. The Christian Greek part comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Love God above all and your neighbor as yourself, it says. The Hebrew Jewish part comes from the prophet Micah. God has shown you, O mortal, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. It's so simple, isn't it? It's ridiculously simple. I decided to come to Kenilworth Union Church almost 10 years ago now because I think you subscribe to the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. You ditch the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed, all these complex faith statements, and you distill the entire faith down to this single short verse. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. We can make it simpler, simpler still. Do, love, walk a beautiful trinity of tenets, a beautiful trifecta of teachings, a beautiful hat-trick of hints. Do love walk. 
Micah 6 verse 8 gathers up the entire Hebrew Bible in this short verse. It's like a terse precis or an elegant abstract of all the prophetic teachings. There are 15 writing prophets in the Hebrew Bible. They cover 300 pages. In my Bible, 176,000 words all right here on a microchip. Do love walk. Do justice, love, kindness. Isn't it interesting, though, that this terse praise puts those very different concepts next to each other? Right? They're very different, justice and kindness, aren't they? Justice is huge, global, muscular, and burly. Kindness is small, local, soft, and delicate. We do justice at town hall. We do justice in Springfield. We do justice in Washington or in Brussels or in Moscow where they don't do justice. We do kindness at home, in the classroom, at work, or on the football field. Justice is feeding the poor and sheltering the homeless. Justice is caring for the aged. Social security is justice. Justice is, if you're a white male septuagenarian legislator, keep your laws off a 30-year-old woman's body. Justice is Katanji Brown Jackson standing up in the pulpit at 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham on the 60th anniversary of a bombing which killed four little girls and saying they might have broken barriers, they might have shattered ceilings, they might have been appointed as doctors or lawyers or to judges at the highest court in the land. That's justice. Kindness is making the casserole, writing the note, picking up the phone, picking up the tab, letting the other driver in, and showing up unannounced in the doorway of the heartbroken. Justice is huge and kindness is small. It's like a pebble next to a boulder. It's like a Mini Cooper next to a Ford F-650. It's like a golf ball next to a basketball. Which doesn't make kindness any less important, does it? You know anyone who is unfailingly friendly and kind and solicitous and deferential to his clients and colleagues, but short, rude, harsh, and indifferent to his children? Do not answer that. Justice is for the human family. For all of us. Justice is for the human family. Kindness is for our own family. St. Paul doesn't quite say this, but almost. He almost says it is impossible to be both loving and unkind at the same time. Does anybody here know Mary Claire King? She hasn't lived here for a long time, but she was born in Wilmette. When Dr. King was 15 years old, her best friend died of cancer. And so ever after, she decided to devote herself to that kind of work. She earned a Ph.D. in genetics from the University of Cal California at Berkeley. And when she was doing her Ph.D., she was the one who proved that chimpanzees and human beings share 99% of our mutual genetic makeup. In 1981, while teaching at Cal Berkeley, Dr. King applied for this huge grant from the National Institute of Health, and that required her to fly from San Francisco to Washington to defend their proposal. Days before she was supposed to fly to Washington, however, her husband left her and went to Costa Rica with one of his graduate students. 
It's okay, though. He softened the blow by giving her a new vacuum cleaner. Dr. King works it out. She convinces her mother to fly from Chicago to San Francisco to watch her five-year-old daughter, Emily. And Mary Claire's mother does this. She flies to San Francisco, but when she gets to the airport, she's so furious with her daughter, she can't do it. She says, how could you leave your daughter childless like this? I'm so mad I can't do this. I'm going right back home. Mary Claire works it out again. She says, okay, then I'll take Emily with me to Washington. You fly back to Chicago, Mom. Your gate is over there. Her mother says, I can't make my way across this gigantic airport by myself. It's too confusing. And Mary Claire says, well, what am I going to do with my five-year-old? And her mother says, well, you can't leave a five-year-old alone in a busy airport. Just then, a voice Mary Claire hears next to her, the guy sitting next to her at the gate. It says, don't worry, Mary, or Emily and I will be just fine. And Mary Claire's mother says, you can't leave your five-year-old with a complete stranger. And Mary Claire says, Mom, if you can't trust Joe DiMaggio, <laughs> who can you trust? Jolton Joe says, hi, Emily, I'm Joe. Emily says, hi, Joe, I'm Emily. And they start to get acquainted. And Mary Claire leaves to escort her mother across this busy airport to her gate for Chicago. Takes her about 20 25 minutes to escort her mother to the different gate and to return to the Washington gate. And by that time, Jolt and Joe and Emily have made their way to the front of the line and they're just ready to board the airplane. Joe has wrangled Emily's ticket for her. And Dr. King thanks Joe profusely and he walks away to get to his own gate. And just before he disappears down the broad hallway of that terminal, he turns around and gives a giant salute and a wave and a huge smile. Dr. King and Emily make their way to Washington. She defends her uh, grant proposal successfully. She gets the grant. And then Dr. King will spend the next 15 years working on the BRCA1 breast cancer gene, which makes the cancer hereditary, until the genetic test is perfected in 1996. Dr. King saved thousands and thousands of lives. Kindness is such a small virtue when you set it next to something large like justice. It's like a pebble next to a boulder, like a Mini Cooper next to a Ford F-650 like a golf ball next to a basketball. But it's amazing what can happen if you're kind. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. <laughs>